This is Where I'm At, a podcast on health, wellness, and yoga. I'm Lauren D'Angelo. I'm a yoga teacher, writer, and a marketer, and I will be doing the interviewing of my teachers on this podcast. The important people in my life who have taught me and helped me and shaped my life into what it is today. If you listen to this podcast, you can expect to hear talks on health, wellness, yoga, and lifestyle. This is a fun, lighthearted podcast where my hope is you learn something new that you can take away and implement in your life. Plus, you get the added bonus of getting to know local yoga teachers and those in the health and wellness field in the Boston area and beyond. Today, I have one of my very favorite people, Hanya Curry Trapper with us. Thank you for joining, Hanya. Thank you for having me, Lauren. It's so good to be here. Yeah, so I'm super excited to talk to you today and to talk to you about everything that you have been up to. Um, I feel like the last year and a half for you, or the last year has really been kind of like this blossoming time in your life. And so, um, you know, when I was thinking about the people that I wanted to bring on for this season, you really kind of stuck out in my brain. And I wanted to start off um, and have you talk about yoga because you're a yoga teacher and you're a designer, but specifically talking about, you know, how you came into being a yoga teacher and developing um, your teachings and then uh, how that's combined with design and the work that you're doing as a designer. So thanks for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I'm First of all, I'm just so thankful that you asked me. Um, you're one of my favorite people and you have been since I've known you. And um, we've co-taught together. We've been together through for years and just honored to be here. So thank you. Um, so yeah, so I have been, I think it's been around 12 years since I've been teaching, I think 11 years. Um, and, and it's kind of evolved from when I became a yoga teacher around 11 or so years ago um, and just had one or two classes and I was very nervous and I kind of went really far away from my house to teach so I wouldn't know anybody and um, you know and then I started like adding classes and and the reason um, that I even started teaching in the first place I actually went into the training to deepen my practice but um, once I found these tools I really was like yeah I need to I need to share this stuff because it's really good um, and I'm, a, I'm actually a quite an average body person. I'm not like a skinny dancer, wafy yogi. Um, I'm kind of a very average person that wakes up with aches and pains and is like a, you know, so I'm coming to yoga from a very average person's place. Um, and so when I approach yoga, I think of it as something that is helping me meet me where I'm at and helping me to improve from the inside out. And it's something that when I discovered that when I was going through training, I was like, oh no, I need to really, I need to share this, like kind of sing it from the mountaintops. Um, so yeah, so I used to be a full-time graphic designer and I, I mean, I guess I, I so yeah. So I started doing 90% design and 10% yoga teaching. Yeah. Um, and I was sharing it and starting to really find my voice and become a teacher. And I felt like it took a while for me to get there. But as I kept finding this path of yoga, I, the scale between my design and my yoga started shifting and it kept shifting. 
Um, and now I would say from that time, it was around 10%. Now it's around 90% or 85% yoga and maybe around 10, 15% design. Um, I still take on some really cool projects that I love and I will always take those on. I'm never not going to be um, doing design. It's always going to be within me. But the yoga is where I feel like my passion has kind of grown. Um, they call it like an encore career, you know, like it becomes something later in life where you just feel like this is who... I am and I'm meant to yes. do so. Yes, I can relate to that totally. But don't you find that um, the creativity of being a yoga teacher is very parallel with the design work that you do? Um, do you find that? Now, I'm not a designer, but I, I was in product and product marketing for a very long time working for athletic apparel brands. And I got to work hand in hand with some really cool designers. Um, you know, and I think that developing that eye through my career and developing that creative side has always lended some um, ability for me when I craft my sequences and I step onto my mat. hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. So there's, there's so many aspects to that. What you just said, I love what you just said. Um, the crafting aspect of it. Um, I think of this as a craft, you know, just like I think of design as a craft. So that's a really great analogy. Um, mm -hmm. When I went into design, my intention was to see the best in others and to bring out their best visually. Mm -hmm. So my, when I, I was at a design firm for 10 years in the South End in Boston, a very intense design firm, very hard paced, fast paced kind of place. Um, and then when I left and went on my own, I created my own design firm, Quarry Design, and it's still, you know, still working. Um, but my tagline for my Quarry Design was your best visualized. And the idea was that I was seeing the attributes in our clients or the friends, whoever I'm working with, and I want to bring out their best. I want to see what their goals and aspirations are. And I want to bring that out visually. So, and visually you could, you craft that, but it's a very intuitive process when you're designing, when I'm designing logos, like, or when I'm designing, like anything, anything visual, um, I almost feel like it's coming through me in a way. And I'm letting the, you know, letting the design happen. It kind of almost evolves that way. And I can sure that you can relate to that even mm -hmm. with, with yoga. I mean, so we do the same thing in yoga. It becomes almost like this sort of experience that comes right through you. And you want to see the best for your students and you want your students to be empowered, empowering and, and seeing their best and allowing them to realize their, their best. So if I had a tagline for my yoga classes, it would be your best realized. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the idea that like, we're just tuning in and we're learning about ourselves and it's coming out and we want to see that best, that highest self come out, you know? Of course, we want to sit with the struggles and understand all of that, but we also want to dig in and kind of really aspire to what we, what we really think our truth is, you know, so. You find that the more daring you are with your own life, the more that you're able to um, cultivate that with your students, meaning that wanting and seeing the best in them and that intuition, I guess, is the best way for me to describe that, right? So, you know, the more um, kind of stepping to the edge, I find that I'm able to be with my own life where I'm challenging my own self, right? Like what's really gonna make me happy? What do I really want? Who am I really? The more I'm able to 
um, either see that for my students or help my students see that. I feel exactly what you were saying. It's that idea of courage. Yeah. You know? and, and courage comes from the moment you step onto your mat. You know, um, even today I taught at a new studio, studio that you'll be teaching with me. Um, and I had a couple of people that had never stepped on a mat before. And, you know, um, and it takes a lot of courage to walk into a yoga studio and sit on a mat and be, get ready for something they don't even know what they're about to do. Um, so that, I see them. And I, I, I think that that's the most courageous thing to do, you know? Um, and I do that in my own life. I, I take chances. I mean, I take risks. I'm, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with adaptability, you know, like just being able to adapt to what's, what's happening around you and being able to be almost like you see your fears, you feel your fears, but you still move, you still yeah. do it. You still go beyond, you know, your fears. Yeah. Even stepping in front of a class as a teacher can be very scary. Yes, totally. That takes a lot of courage. And I mean, you and I have both had those kind of experiences where we've been put into a situation that we're like, wow, we're stepping in front of a lot of people or we're, or we're doing something challenging or we're, you know, with the pandemic, with the idea of like, now I have to learn a whole new technology and I'm going to have to teach it and teach and adapt the way I teach so that people can see me and watch me and hear it. And there's yeah. so many ways that we're constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, but when we are constantly evolving, we're constantly working on that. And then we see our students come to the mat and find their courage. Then it's, it's really easy to, to encourage them because they're already there. They're, they're there in the room, right? I agree completely. And I do think that there is a lot to be said for cultivating your own courage so that and, and and challenging your own self and not getting I mean too too comfortable right like there's a balance of wanting certain areas to feel good and a little bit comfortable but not not getting super stagnant and constantly always being like okay like how am I going to continue to kind of evolve so that I can bring fresh new information and perspective to my students that they can think about. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing that now with your you're studying new things, you know, and, and I feel like the moment I start to feel like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. I've got this rhythm down. That's the moment that either something comes along and changes everything or, <laughs> or it's, it's really about us being like checking in and being like, okay, now I'm too comfortable. Now you, like you said, no, I don't want to be this comfortable because then I'm going to get stagnant. So we have to keep evolving. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's not comfortable. I want to be at ease. I want to be like relaxed and, and just kind of check out sometimes. And, and no, I, I can't, if I'm going to be a responsible teacher, I have to challenge myself always, you yeah. know, and, uh -huh. and the I moment we start to come into the, this rhythm of, of teaching is the moment we need to shake things up and, and maybe go learn something else or take a different discipline. You know, sometimes I'll go and like try a completely different, like, wouldn't it be cool to take a Tai Chi class or something out of our realm so that we can bring other elements in. And, you know, sometimes I've used Tai Chi moves in, in my class before. Cause I'm like, this is cool. Why not? You know, like cool moves, meditative, feels good in the moment and works with the flow. Why not? You know? Um, and so when you do these kind of things and you bring them in to your experience, and you broaden the experience. I bring a lot of psychology concepts into my classes sometimes. And, and that's not necessarily yogic, but it, it adds and it all is complements it, you know, and it, it adds a little depth to the class, um, like the crafting aspect to the class. It, it brings it a little bit more, a little richness to the class. You know? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about um, now that you've done this flip-flop of more yoga and you're still doing the design. Yeah. You recently saw that your your schedule for, um, you know, essentially now, right? Like the soon-to-be, <laughs> right? You're online, you have your own online platform, but you have a lot of classes, right? And so we were talking about the purpose behind those classes and why, you know, it sounds like you're being very purposeful about why you're teaching the number of classes that you're teaching. So share a little bit about what, what it is that you're, that you're hopeful about what it is that you're changing and doing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I have never taken, I'm taking in right now. I'm about this week, starting this week, I'm teaching 17 classes a week, 17, maybe 18. Um, and I don't even know where I am half the time, to be honest. Um, yeah, today I was like, what's today? Where am I? That's really challenging. Um, but what I'm, I'm trying to do here in this moment, um, in this sort of moment in my, my teaching, and things have always shifted for me and they may shift again. But in this moment, I feel like I just want to create um, as much awareness as I can. And, and um, I really want yoga to be accessible. And I want to kind of bring as much as I can out there so that people, especially with these smaller classes now, because of what's happening, um, you know, I have to teach a lot of classes in order to get the numbers that I used to get in one class in one studio, you know what I mean? So I really want to kind of bring out um, yoga to different areas of the region that I live. Mm -hmm. um, and I also um, want to give people the option for that aren't comfortable coming into studios to have the online option. And that's something that I just created over COVID. I've never thought in a million years I would be here, mm -hmm. but I've created a platform and um, I've done it with some help. I, um, this woman, Susan Claire helped me um, and a few other friends helped me, um, uh, Carrie Leary, Carrie, Leary, Carrie Moore, I should say, and a few other friends have kind of encouraged me and, and helped me to, to create this platform. And it's really solid. And this is where my design comes in. I'm able to share my message of the week um, in a very depth, in a lot of depth. So everybody will receive uh, an email on Friday that has the recordings of the classes that they've taken during the week. Um, but they also get the class message in like a thought out, um, a whole explanation about what the week's thoughts were mm -hmm. and why I came up with the thinking mm -hmm. and um, the quote for the week. Cause I have a quote every week in my class, you know? Um, so yeah, so, but the, the subscription service is something that came from nothing. It came from closing down studios and COVID and everybody being trapped at home. Um, and then I somehow I have, you know, I have a husband that's a singer songwriter. So, and I have, and he knows musician people. So we, we got all this technology together and, and I'm able to, to share the, the yoga classes and the experience, um, not just with vinyasa classes, but I'm also able to share yin classes, which are slow, slow, slow paced classes, um, and meditation classes. So I'm able to do all of this and, and kind of package it in a way that is all crafted for the week's message. Um, and at the end of the week, they get the message and they're able to watch those recordings whenever they want, um, anytime they want within the month. So every week there, there's two classes offered live on Zoom. And then on Friday, they receive the email with the whole message and the recordings that they can watch. Um, the seasonal subscribers will get three months um, and it'll be each season. So it's based on the season. Right now, we just, this week, just started March and started the spring season. Uh, that's so, what I thought, yeah. So the, it's the two classes 
that they can take and then they get, they can take it live or wait for their meeting. Yep, they can wait for Friday. And so each Friday of the of the week at 7 a.m., it's scheduled. So they will get there and it's all crafted and it's all very visual and it has the message and it has the quote and it has the recordings. Um, and then they can go, they can go and watch that whenever they want. And I've heard it's cool because I do have um, people that are subscribers all over the world. Like I have people in Holland and I have people in Toronto. I have people in and Lebanon, um, literally all over the place. So a lot of them can't take the classes live and, and friends, in, even in the West Coast, they it's too early, um, mm -hmm. my early, the one on Wednesday morning. So they'll just take the recordings and um, they keep subscribing. So they're doing it and I can see that they're doing it. So it's really makes my heart happy because um, it's just a, it's a great opportunity for people, even if they go back to studios to be able to still have the message and still be able to take a meditation if they feel like it whenever they want or a yin class when they want or a, a vinyasa that is so cool i really well, i gotta say i'm i'm it's probably the thing i'm the most proud of of this past year and and it feels like we also i have created a, a facebook a private group for these people for anyone who's ever joined even if you've joined for a month you can be part of this group and um it's a nice place for people to like share ideas and things like that and um, today I did this, like I make this tonic, this um, like Ayurvedic drink. And I, so I was like, I'm going to make it for my subscribers today. Why not? Like, it was like literally last minute, I was going to make it anyway. So I put the Facebook live on for the group and I was like, Hey, I'm making this tonic. You want to see? And we just did it, you know? So that kind of thing. And there could be a book club. We've done that before. So like things like that. So um, it's just a place to share ideas and to feel, have a safe space that people can, um, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. Connect and be together and connection you know like right it's the connection that we're all kind of lacking and missing and needing absolutely and then talk a little bit about your design business so i know that this is like a little bit smaller of like where you're at now but i also know that you've done a lot I of say, i know i shouldn't say it's smaller i still have big i still have big clients and i still do the work like i still have a lot of work um and it's and it really excites me when i get a new client that's um I really have been focused a lot on hospitality lately. Um, I've done work on in every department and every um, genre of business, um, but hospitality seems to because I'm a big foodie. So when I get to do a restaurant, I get really excited. So in this <laughs> last year, I've done three restaurants, which has been cool. Yeah, one's going to be opening up in in a couple months in uh, Brookline. Uh, it's called Punchbowl. Um, it's a modern city tavern. It's going to be in the new Hilton Garden Inn in the corner of Brookline Ave. And it's this beautiful, big, huge building just being construction now. I've been wearing hard hats and going to the site and checking out this the place. It's really beautiful. So that's Jen Ziskin. And she's part of this. She was on the Today Show today because she's part of this um, women's entrepreneur restaurateur group. Um, that all own restaurants and they were on today's show for promoting um, women in restaurants, you know, owners. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. So this is my second restaurant with her. Um, but yeah, so I've, so I have a bunch of different clients and, and I take on more things all the time, but um, I guess it's not the amount of hours that I have been doing um, in, in yoga because the yoga kind of consumes my life. <laughs> Talk a little bit about your creative process. Like how do you say you kind of tap into that intuition for the design process, but start with your, start with like crafting your classes first and like really yeah. with your students. So I, I absolutely craft them. I it's, it's not like, I don't go in and be like, okay, you know, I, I don't 
just come in and I actually have them very, very thought out and even time to the music to the T, um, literally. Um, so about you because you you create your music so that way it like plays like one long song right yeah. i know yeah. <laughs> i know this about you. tracks in between so i know when to introduce something and yes. yeah it's really i'm really insane about that um but what i why i like to do that the, i mean there's so many aspects of crafting a class one is the music and the music is important to me i i have a husband who's a musician and i play a lot of people i know that i love um, that are friends. Um, I like to showcase kind of young, like lesser known artists. Um, so, but the music itself, um, it really, it, it brings you on a, on a ride and brings you on this drive that like goes up this mountain and then it, it you kind of reach this mountain and then you start to come down slowly and it, and it kind of gently takes you down this mountain. So it's this whole experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's part of getting people to open up. And so for me, music is, is a, allows people to really, it's one of the only art forms that you physically react to. Like you literally get chills from music, like your body creates releases. Um, so it's really a powerful thing to pair with movement of the body and being able to open up the body slowly till the end where you feel like the most open. So a lot of times for me, when I craft my class, I don't talk a lot about the concept that I have in my head in the beginning of the class. A lot of people will do a whole Dharma talk before they even get people into when they're still sitting. And for me, I'm not ready to receive. Um, so I don't like to, I don't like to hear anything. I don't like to say anything. I like to introduce the idea very gently. And then I like to sort of build it throughout the class. And at the end, I like to like, when they're finally receiving, that's when I like to kind of express the full thought. So it's really crafted and every word is kind of thought out. I don't really kind of, I, you know, I joke too. It's not so serious. You know, I kind of fall over sometimes and laugh at myself and, you know, that kind of thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that part of it, I can't take myself seriously, but like. Super important to keep humor and to keep a light heart. Oh God. Oh God. And I'm like, and it also makes people feel less intimidated yes. you know like yeah. otherwise it's so serious and heavy and it's not you know yeah. i mean there's parts of it which are ridiculous you know and uh so yeah so the the creative process for me is similar but in design it's it's different um i usually just look at the client i meet with the client i ask lots of questions but a lot of times i don't even need to ask the questions i can kind of just feel yeah. what who you are and what you need and what look and feel i can go for and what i know you it's that's more intuitive in some ways you know because and a lot of times people will be like wow you really captured my visual like i didn't even know that i like that but i love that you know what i mean that kind of thing when you actually can see something you see their their sort of um this beautiful visual for them and then you show it to them and they're like wow like it's um but that's a very intuitive thing um and a lot of times like when i was in that previous design firm there was a lot of you have to talk about your concepts and it had to be very intellectualized and for me it was always like i just need to I, I, this is exactly where where you um from listening to everything i've heard and just from looking at you and seeing you and and understanding your goals like i i can just intuitively see that this is the visual um direction we're going to go right and usually it's it, it the intuitive um, one is the one that usually gets picked so that's i do the other ones i'll do the crafted whatever other yeah. ones but they always choose the one that that's like my first instinct almost or the one that i just let myself really go yeah 
usually the one that's chosen. So and I kind of mix it up. I sometimes put it at the front of the presentation. I sometimes put it in the back, but I always like to see which one they choose, you know? I love that, Hanya. That is so, so yeah. cool. What do you do? So if you're, do you have a personal like practice for yourself to help you tap into that intuitiveness or is it something that you've been doing this for so long that you just kind of, you know, from your connection to the, to the people? I think it's um, a combination of deep listening. And um, I don't think there's any other practice than that. I just listen and I energetically receive from them. Yeah. And so that's all I need to do. So you know? important, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In fact, my classes this whole week are all about empathetic listening versus responsive listening. Yes. So I'm talking about the idea of like really listening without any judgment, without putting self involved, like just really deeply listening. And it starts with your body and then it, it can kind of, it can branch out to everything else. It can branch out to your thoughts. It can branch out to the people that you uh, engage with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And when you start to really deeply learn how to listen. People start to feel heard and they feel seen and they feel that they can heal yeah. just by you listening. You don't even have to do anything. It's so, so true. You know, I think that so often for the people that we care about and that we love, our action or our reaction is to try to fix or do something to solve, especially this past year, right? Where things feel oftentimes really heavy or just foreign and not um, familiar. And I think when people, I've had a lot of individuals say, oh, you know, my husband, my wife, my partner is going like having, they're in a funk right now. And I don't know how, you know, I, they're verbalizing that they're having a difficult time, or I can see that they're in, they're in like a little bit of a funk and they're, they're having a hard time. And I, I think that we underestimate a lot, just the power of holding space and not saying anything, but just the presence sometimes alone is really you know, more than enough. And I, I also have been always very big at, you know, crafting some sort of little golden nugget or takeaway in my classes. And I, I do think that this year in particular, I've actually practiced not having that because I've practiced being there and letting them be whatever they need to be, whatever kind of day they want to have, however it is that they want to show up. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Just giving people that space. That's just so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like not having to fix everything. That's right. Everything. Right. Let there just be space for all the crap, you know, and all the good stuff and let it hold its space together. I think Pema Chodron says it beautifully in that book, When Things Fall Apart. She talks about the idea of letting there be space for the good and the bad in the same place. Like let it just all sit in the same place and let it just be uh, so that you create space around it. And that's just that space around it that gives you a little clarity yeah. and it, it gives you a little ease, you know, like you don't have to fix everything all the time. Give it space and time. And somehow are we sick of fixing everything all the time and making everything perfect? Like enough already. Completely. It's exhausting. Sometimes we just have to sit with the crap and just sit with it and just be like, yeah, it sucks right now. And yeah, it's sometimes there's really, there's beauty moments of beauty in that sucky place. Um, but just giving ourselves that space to be like, it's all here. It's 
Oh, yeah, decision-making. I feel like there was a point in my life where I've always been super like, I need to make a decision. I have to make a choice. I have to continue moving forward. And now I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite where I try to push that decision as far out as I can possibly push it. Maybe because you need space. You yeah. need space for it. Like just give yourself that. I mean, I know, I feel like maybe that's our younger selves just being like, we were trained to constantly like, you know, hit yeah. the clock and work really hard and fast and be this and and now maybe we're just getting softer and maybe we're getting creating more ease in our lives and maybe things aren't as important as they used to be yeah or I I think I trust more than I ever have that if I don't tend to it it's going to find a way to work itself out if I'm helicoptering over it it doesn't mean that action isn't happening if that makes sense right something is still transpiring even if I'm not hovering over it at that moment (laughs) that's a lot of letting go isn't it yes totally I almost it is I love it don't we need to do that more often (laughs) I mean I know I know so yeah quote Hanya oh my quote okay so um yeah so I have a few that I love. My favorite quote that I use like kind of all the time, um, it's actually by, um, it's by Viktor Frankl. And I love it because it talks about, uh, it's, it talks about our power. Um, it says between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response, lies our growth and our freedom. And it's just a super, super powerful quote to me. And I, I always remind myself that we do have, we have power to create space. We have power to make choices. We have, we have power, you know, and there's between what's happening in the moment and how you respond to it is there's a, there's a space there. And if we can grow that space that create that, you know, that pause, um, then in that case, you know, then we can be able to respond from a place of either compassion and clarity. I mean, I, I tell this story that I, I actually said it in a book, um, that was, you know, you know, Tara Cosino, like, yeah, she, yeah, she wrote this book, The Kindness Cure. Yes, and, of course. Yeah. So in this, this was the, um, quote of the week from my class that she came to, and I told this story in the class and she put it in the book wow. and it was a very simple story, but it was a few years ago and I was in bank of America and I was coming out of the bank and I had just bought a new car, a brand new car. And I was very proud of it. And <laughs> I saw this, this car pulling up right next to my car. And as I was opening the bank door, I saw this car pulling right up in the the man opened the door and hit my car with his door. And this is a brand new car. And I remember thinking, <gasps> you know, like, just like my height, my everything went up to my head and just, um, and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna, resp- I wanna yell, I'm gonna scream. I'm gonna like yell at this guy. Um, and then instead of doing all of that, I just paused for a moment. I just kind of paused and watched what was happening. I held the door and I was paused and watching him. And then I look and, he's getting out of the car and I realize that he has one arm. Mm. And then I look at the car and I kind of scan his car. And I saw that he had a veteran sticker on his car. And I thought maybe, you know, he had lost his arm in his service and maybe, and here I am, you know, like looking at this car and, um, you know, um, and looking at this car and being like, um, I'm going to yell at this man who just gave his, 
part of his life, like to, for us, you know? And so that moment I literally paused and I, instead of like yelling at him and screaming at him, I opened the door for him and I let him through the door. And then I went to my car and I got in my car and I sat down and I drove away and I felt really good. Yeah. And I felt like really good about my response. I felt really good that I hadn't reacted because that would have been awful. But then I realized as I was driving away that I never even looked at the car to see if it was even damaged because it didn't matter at that point, right? Like it just didn't matter. Yeah. So um, that's the power of the pause. It's the pause between the stimulus and the response. Like the stimulus happens. How do we respond from a place of compassion, not a place of anger or fear or, you know, stress. So that to me, everything that we do is because of that to me. Yes. Um, and then trying to, to embody that response and see the best, you know, my favorite sutra is that sutra 233 that talks about when the negative thoughts come in, you challenge them with the positive, the opposite. And it's the idea of like, yeah, there's a lot of crap and there's a lot of negativity out there, but can we, can we, can we pause enough to, to see that be grateful and to find the beauty in things, you know? And still come from a place of kindness when we do have that movement forward, no matter what's happening in our own personal life and no matter how heavy things feel, right? Still, still showing up from a place of, of love and kindness, I think has been probably more challenging for a lot of folks and individuals this last year is to continue to show up holding space for each other with grace. Um, you know, I think that, I think that as, as things have, have continued to be on lockdown and, you know, we made it through the winter here in New England, that there were definitely these, these waves of ebbs and flows where things felt really, really tense and really, really stressful. And then, you know, we just, we continue to show up with grace for each other and we hold space for each other, you know? And that's the work. Yeah, totally. Do like, because that, that, that we're in it together, like we always say, and it's the idea of like being able to, to share that space and to be into, to check our own reactions and to check our own ways of com compassionately speaking, thinking mm -hmm. everything. Totally. Yeah. That's where we, that's where we hope to be, you know, that's where we keep working towards it. Sometimes we fail. Exactly. <laughs> we try. And who are your teachers? Oh my gosh. Ah, um, well, if you, First of all, I mean, I have to say it's my children um, because, you know, it's obvious they, they challenge me to my core and I feel like a good teacher challenges you to your core. Right. So yeah, they're, they're really challenging me to my core at this moment. <laughs> um, and it's probably because we're all like in this house and, and things aren't normal and it's weird. Um, so yeah. So, so challenging me my, my kids are, are, are certainly my biggest teachers at the moment, trying to monitor my response and to find a place of compassion. I mean, I have a whole bunch of a million teachers. I mean, my first, I have different teachers for different reasons. So like when I think about like my first serious, serious teacher that like I would go to every week. And then that was, that was when I got hooked. You know, when you get that little hook yeah. with yoga. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, that little hook and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going like four times a week and what, what am I doing? Um, I think that was Matt Mullen from Open Doors. He was like my first, my first teacher. And he, I still see, say some of his little nuggets in class and credit him because um, I even asked him the other day, can I use this 
quote that you used to say, and, and I'll credit you, of course. Um, so he was my first. Um, uh, Jackie Bonwell has been always a teacher for me in finding my voice and helping empower me. Um, so she's been always a really dear, dear teacher to me. Um, Ralph Gates has always been a teacher. Um, I never trained with him per se, but I did a bunch of workshops with him and and I listened to his meditation every day at 11 a.m. And I and I I I love him. Like he's, but he's for me a teacher of the depth of the simplicity, like of depth of simplicity. He will just take one little yes, he does. phrase and he yes. will like break it down. And it's so, it's so simple, the phrase, but then there's so much depth to it. And, right. and so learning about that, I learned from him. Mm-hmm. And then I love Sean Korn because I love her activism and I love how she engages in the world. And she knows that yoga is part of being in the world. And we have to be socially conscious when we're, when we're, um, in this role of being a teacher, we have to be engaged. We yeah. can't bury our heads in the sand. So that's important to me too. Um, there are so many, I mean, there's some, and I feel like I would be like leaving people out and I would feel bad about that, but there's, um, I have so many teachers for different reasons mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And I, and I, and I think that I'm going to continue to, to look for teachers you know, they say that you, you look for the teachers you need and then the teachers, they come and then they go. And then there's new teachers that arise when you're learning something new. So I'm looking forward to my teachers of the future yeah. to, to being a teacher for somebody, um, you know, and I'm always going to be a beginner um, because that's what teachers are. They're, they're, they're all of that. So um, you have to have an, a beginner's heart and mind if, um, if you're going to grow at all in my mind. All the time. You always have questioning and wanting to learn and finding new ways to ask the questions. And I agree. I think that the teacher shows up when the student is ready and all of a sudden it's just, you know, whether or not you're willing to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is the path. Right. So, so I always like to, um, tell a little story about my guests and, and how they're my teachers. Cause that's the whole premise of this podcast. It's, you know, me, um, sharing the teachers and the people who have really touched and affected my life um, with with as many people as I possibly can. And you're absolutely one of my teachers. And I think one of the things that I have always learned from you is um, the gift of just positive intent and positive um, forward momentum, right? So I think that you always no matter what are looking, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's for me specifically, but I think you do it for everybody around you and probably everybody around you feels like it's specifically for them too. But I think that, um, the connection I have to you is that you're always looking for me to be my very best. And you're a cheerleader in the background whenever I'm going after me being my very best. And um, I feel that from you, right? And so when I feel like I'm not being my very best or I need that mirror to be held up, you already know this. There have been times where I've been like, Hanya, <laughs> I need to talk to you, right? Like, or I need help or help me through. And you do, you always like meet me where I'm at with grace. And I, I know, and I know the students that are listening to this know this too, that there is never any judgment passed. And there is always this, leaving you a feeling like, okay, I've got this. And I know that I've got this because I have somebody who I know is like holding me up and behind me. So yeah, you definitely do that for me. And um, it's pretty incredible. There, there are 
I don't, and we don't connect a, and talk a lot, but there are definitely days where I'm like, well, I know that if I need people, here are the people that I can call and you're always on that list. So yeah. So much to me. I can't even tell you. I am so, so thankful. Thankful yeah. for, thankful for our friendship. Thankful um, that you see that in me um, and thankful that I can be there for you because I always will be, you know, and I'm- I know. And me for you. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that I try to do is always, you know, give that gift when I know that people have been there back in return. And that is one of the reasons why I began this podcast is how can I give back to the people that have really been there for me so that I can help elevate their voices and, and show as many people as I can who these individuals are and what they've done for me. So thank you for joining me today. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. That was so much fun. Yes, I hope you have a good night. I love you. Thank you so much. Love you more. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Jacob Rachinsky. You can check me out on Instagram and on Facebook at Lola Yoga and Wellness. Also, lolayoga.com. If you have time and if you enjoyed this podcast, please go on to Spotify or iTunes and rate this podcast. I hope you'll continue to listen. Thank you so much for being here.